Welcome to the McGregor Podcast. This uh, is the first Sunday of our Passion Week special, sort of a, a walk together through the, the days leading up to the cross. Uh, and we're glad you're, you're joining us for this. I'm gonna dive right in. Before I talk about, about Monday, let's go back and recap a bit of, of Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is one of the more sort of cinematic events in our Lord's ministry. The, uh, it, it, it scales very big and it's kind of picturesque, if you will, the idea of a crowd waving palm branches as Jesus enters the city. It's sometimes been called the triumphal entry. I, I'm, I'm not certain that's a terribly good label. The kingly entry might do. The uh, crowd is crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, according to the Gospels, but they don't mean Hosanna in the, in the best way they could have meant it. The word Hosanna means save now or save us now. And wow, wouldn't it have been good if they had been welcoming Jesus as the Savior of their souls, the one who would forgive their sins, Jesus as, as the Messiah that he truly was, but that's not what the crowd had in mind on Palm Sunday. What the crowd had in mind was the overthrow of Rome. Jesus was well known to be a miracle worker, and he had, in fact, only in just days before accomplished the most uh, spectacular of his resurrection miracles. Jesus had raised other people from the dead, but never someone so close to Jerusalem and no, never anyone who was who'd been dead for so long, and the overtly miraculous and visible character of the resurrection of Lazarus, the story is told in John 11, had cemented his place in the public consciousness as a a superman, so to speak, one who certainly had access to power beyond the natural, and the hope was he would overthrow Rome. And so as we go through the Passion Week, one of the themes that develops through this week is that of disappointment and and unfulfilled expectations. On Monday, uh, the story is told of the second so-called cleansing of the temple. Now, it's easy to be confused about these because um, there's one early in the Gospel of John, around John chapter 2, but that's not this event. In fact, ironically, the Gospel of John omits this event. The story of this event is told in Matthew 21, Mark 11, and Luke 19, but not in the Gospel of John. And I want to turn our attention to Mark 11, verses 15 through 18. Mark 11, 15 through 18. I'll get that book out of my way for a second. There we go. Uh, Mark eleven fifteen through 18. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers? And the chief priests and scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. 
What was Jesus angry about? I've heard people try to use this moment in Jesus's life to say, well, we, we shouldn't be doing anything that involves exchanging money at church. Like I shouldn't even uh, have a cup of coffee from Hebrews or if our church had a bookstore as we once did in the past, and as many churches do. Well, we shouldn't have that because Jesus opposes um, selling things at church. Well, there's a lot of problems with that conclusion. In fact, it's really not legitimate. First, the church is not the temple. The church is the gathering place for the body of Christ, but it's not an exact analog for the temple. Second, Jesus is not reacting to the selling of, of things. Um, the availability of small sacrificial animals, in Mark specifically doves, was a necessity because travelers would come to Jerusalem and they had to have animals to sacrifice. And if their animal got damaged on the journey, they had to be able to acquire an animal that could be the sacrifice for their family. And sometimes the temple was the best place to do that. The problem was, as with so many things that human beings touch, this process had been corrupted. And the, the temple leadership, chief priests, etc., had a scam going where they, they exchanged money for an unfair rate then they sold the animals at hyperinflated prices, so they made money two different ways, and that offended Jesus. Jesus is always on the side of those who are being oppressed or treated unkindly or unfairly, particularly by religious leaders. He was opposed to their false faith for personal gain, and he was opposed to them taking advantage of others. There is still, on Monday, a lot of popularity with the crowd, but Jesus is supposed to be opposing and overthrowing the Romans in the minds of many, and we're going to see this unfulfilled expectation of messianic uh, hurling out the Romans build through the week. Which leads me to ask this question as we wrap things up today. How do you handle it when Jesus doesn't fulfill your expectations? I've been a Christian for a long time. I'm not a young man, and I'm not a new Christian. I've had about 50 years now of walking with the Lord of my, of my 59 years of life. And I've discovered quite often he doesn't give me my way. Now, that doesn't shock some of you, but it may shock some of you. Jesus has absolutely no problem not giving you your way. How do you handle that? How do you respond to him when his answer is a very clear no? You can know that he's operating for his glory and your good. And you can know that all the time. And clinging to that's important when you don't get your way. Hey, we're going to continue our walk through this Passion Week in the days ahead. Why don't you go ahead and subscribe to the McGregor Podcast so that you won't miss a thing. And we will look forward to sharing with you again tomorrow. God bless you.